0: Welcome to an encouraging word from Pastor Elliot Warren from Cross-Culture Church in Houston, Texas. Well, I want to share today about where God is taking us. Uh, Where are we now? Where are we going? Where's God bringing his people? And I want to highlight this fact that the Word of God tells us so much and instructs us So much about God, about who he is and what he's doing. And you can get into the word of God. And if you understand and have an an interaction with God, you're going to be able to see what God's doing in the earth. There's like an insight that comes from the word of God, from knowing the, the God of the word that allows you to see what God's going to be doing in the earth. We've seen before how Jesus said, if you had known what Moses was said and believed that, you would have recognized me because I was in what he said. You see, they would have been able to have seen what's going on if, had they had a relationship with the word of God. Not just knowledge in the mind, but a relationship with what is being said. And of course, the whole word is full of that. I, I thought of one scripture in particular that I, I thought would be good to highlight. There, there are many. Um, But that was in James 5.11. You can take that verse and learn a lot from God about it. And it says this, Indeed, we count them blessed who endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. You see, this verse shows us a lot of things. It shows us who God is. As you read through the verses of the Word of God, you recognize God is what? Very compassionate and merciful. So that's who He is, and you can depend on that. You see also a principle in this Scripture, which is the one that endures will end up blessed. So that's always true. It's a, it it always works when you go through trials, when you go through difficulties, we're encouraged by this truth and this principle that says, if you will not give up and you will stay encouraged. You see, sometimes it looks like we might not make it. Sometimes our troubles seem like they would overwhelm us. Who's had more troubles than Job? I would say none of us, but the story of Job, the narrative of Job teaches us, a god truth that if you will persevere through your worst difficulties and trials there is a blessing in some form or way on the other side you see this see remember see what he said the end that god had intended in other words what god had purposed in what job was going through i don't want to say you know that god brings every trial but God purposes a blessing on the other side of trial. So persevere. You see how you can learn so much from one scripture about how God does things? And there's so many other scriptures that help fill in the gaps for your unique situation that you're going through. And in that scripture, we also see a pattern. And I would just say, humility comes before promotion. God often will break us before he brings us to another place, or he will allow circumstances to break our pride, to break our self-sufficiency, uh, and to cause us to to come and cling to God like we never have before, and to trust Him to cleanse us out of us so we can be more full of Him. So anyway, I'm just I just brought that scripture up to show you that the Word of God can give us an amazing true perspective about where things are going where god's taking things where god's going to end up where we're going to end up we can get discernment about life by knowing the word of the lord and by knowing the lord of the word i, I believe that's that's what god's calling us to do and I, i've had to say i've noticed this recently um, i've been in the word and a truth will, will be highlighted to me about how god does something and' then, and then i'll go oh wow that's where we are right now god just highlighted that to me he showed me this is how he does things he does it over and over actually and don't think it's not going to happen again we have to trust god's ways and god's patterns there's a difference then from just knowing what the bible says that god did and understanding what god does there's a verse in psalm 103 it says, God made his ways known to Moses, but he made his acts known to the people of Israel. I believe there is a distinction there. So you can just go and know the facts of what happened by reading the Bible. But it says that Moses knew more than just the acts of God. He knew the ways of God. He knew how God did what God did. He knew why God did what He did? He understood even how to touch God's heart, the way He prayed. It's so interesting. Even when He says, "God, don't don't do this to these people," because uh, that way this is going to happen. And this, you see, God allowed Moses to pray in a certain way that touched God's heart. He heard Moses and he listened. You know, that's a very interesting thought there. But if you understand how God moves and what, what triggers God's heart, what's important to him, it'll also help you understand how to pray and get answers. But anyway, we should want to know not just God's acts, but we need to know God's ways. How does God move? How does God do what he's doing? Where is he taking this? What's God's ultimate intention with the earth, with the church, and with us as individuals? What's God's intention? I just want to mention a few verses. We could go in many directions on that question, but I want to mention just a few verses for you to think about and for you to, for you to have uh, registered in your spirit, for you to, to have your eyes opened to new dimensions of, of God's purpose. In Numbers fourteen twenty one, God says this, As surely as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Think about that. He's talking about his purpose for the earth from thousands of years ago. He speaks it. As surely as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Now in that particular incident, the people had really dishonored God, the people had not walked in faith, and I would say God was disappointed, disgusted at what they had done, and I believe what God is saying here is, as surely as I live, there will be a people that walk with me, that bring the glory of God with them in the earth, I mean, the, the purpose of God is to fill the earth with the glory of God, all right? So then it says in Habakkuk two, fourteen. many years later, God re-spoke this, and he says, the earth, is this is a prophecy, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God. Now, what kind of knowledge is that? The knowledge of the glory of God. That's an experiential knowledge. This is saying, the whole earth is going to experience, is going to, through experience, know the glory of the Lord. Okay, let me read it again. Let me read the whole verse. "The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord." That's amazing. As the waters cover, The sea. Wow, that's God showing forth his purpose for the earth. There's going to be this day that is coming. The earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God. Now, what is the glory of God? The glory of God is so multidimensional. There's so many things that we could say is the glory of God. Moses said, Hey, God, could you show me your glory? And then what did God show him? You know, it was his goodness, his mercy, his love. In other words, it was who God is. It's his character, all right? So we could say the glory of God is really seeing truthfully who God is, clearly who God is. We could also say the glory of God is the presence of God. If God shows up in a major way in a situation, we have to say, the glory of God was present. Maybe you've been in a worship service or in a situation in a prayer meeting or in a Bible study, and all of a sudden you just, you sense the presence of God so strongly, you might not even know what to do. Do I fall on my knees? Do I fall on my face? Do I prophesy? What do I do? That's the glory of God manifesting. That's an experience. And I would say, That's an experience that God intends that we have as the body of Christ regularly, and that we take that with us wherever we go. You see, that tangible presence that you feel, that you feel perhaps when you're in church or when you're in your prayer time, God desires that that presence somehow get outside of just your prayer room and outside of just the church room, and that get. Did get into society and somehow uh, that it that it would demonstrate God to the world there's a verse that talks about us growing in glory in 2 Corinthians 3:18 it says we with unveiled faces all behold and reflect the glory of the Lord and we're being transformed into his image from glory to glory by the spirit of the Lord As we behold him. Now, there are a couple of things I want to highlight about this scripture because this tells us where we're going individually, in addition to what God wants to happen in the earth. First of all, it says we're being transformed. It doesn't just say we have been transformed, it says we're being transformed. That means that there's a process that's happening right now that is ongoing that we are experiencing. How are we being transformed? It says going from one state of glory to another state. Now, that's very interesting. But as we've come to God, God has come on the inside of us, and we're living out this thing. He's working in us. That's a state of glory because He's there in some dimension. As we become conformed to Him, As our character is changed, as he saturates our bodies even, our minds with him, guess what? The level of what I would call the state of glory that we are individually experiencing increases. We are going, being transformed from one state of glory to another state of glory. How? by the power of the Spirit of God as we behold Him. So as we behold Him, whether that's God showing you the Word and then you, and then you have to walk that out, whether that's in your prayer time, you getting breakthroughs through your prayers and getting answers, as you are experiencing God, seeing God, knowing Him, Christ is becoming bigger and bigger to you. You're loving him more and more because you're seeing him more and more. You are being transformed from glory to glory, and you are becoming just like Jesus Christ. In fact, Romans 8 says this is God's destiny for you. You are being transformed into his image, it says there. That is an amazing promise, and that's something that we all need to look forward to. We all to want to get closer and closer to Jesus, knowing that as we do that, we're going to become just like he is. That is an amazing, amazing promise. Now, I do want to say, you know, this past week on one day, I had this scripture kept coming to my mind. It wasn't actually the scripture, but the verse reference. So about three or four times, this thought just came to my mind. Jeremiah 29.13. I wasn't even thinking where it was or what was there. And about the third time I thought, oh, I need to look up that scripture today. And then it came to my mind again, and I thought, oh, I've got to look up Jeremiah 29.13. And as I thought about it, I go, Oh, I know what's in that verse. Jeremiah 29.13 is a powerful verse. And I want to read it to make sure I don't mess it up. It says, And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I thought, Why would God be highlighting that to me? You know what I believe? I don't believe God is just giving this verse to sinners. I believe God is giving this verse to the church. And he is saying, if you will seek me with all your heart, you're going to find me. You might go, oh, I've already found the Lord Jesus. Let me tell you, there's a lot more to find that you haven't found yet. There's a lot more to God than you have already, that you already know, right? There's much more there. And here's a promise which I think is another amazing promise. If you seek him with all your heart, you're going to discover him. And I would add in a new dimension, maybe you know him this much, but if you'll seek him with all your heart, he will open up even more to you. The only way you will ever do that is for you to have a desire to want that. And the only way you'll have a desire for it is to know that it is a potential, that it's going to happen. So my heart today, my hope is knowing that there's an experience awaiting you with God greater than you've had before, that your vision for it is going to increase, and that your desire to make it happen is going to increase, and you're going to put uh, your feet into action and begin seeking God with an expectation. I am not going to stop until he shows me himself more than I've seen before. I'm not going to stop. God, show me something when I get into this word. God, reveal yourself to me. I don't want to just know facts. I want to know you, Lord. Let me have an encounter with you when I get in here. God, let the word become alive in me. You see, the word of God is living and active and powerful. And if you will get it on the inside of you, it will cut away everything that's not of God, everything that is not of good, and it will plant itself in you, and it will grow just like a seed and produce a great harvest in your life. It's amazing what spending time with God does, what seeking God in prayer will do for you, and what seeking God in the Word of God will do for you in addition to, they giving you insight as to what you're doing in life, where you're going, what God's doing in this earth right now. Now, I want to just say, too, this word says, if you understand what the original word is, it says, we behold the glory of the Lord, but it's sort of like behold and reflect. So whenever we come to God, we reflect, it says here, we reflect according to the glory that we have. That is that's another dynamic insight the more we are changed by god the more his presence is in us the more we are reflecting that the more that is coming into the world through our lives wow you see we want to change the world you don't just hope that god's going to do it you don't just say oh if god oh look at the world going to hell in a handbasket Oh, the world's getting darker and darker. You know how the world will change? The world will change if you get more light in your life. The world will change if more glory comes in the church. I am telling you, when the power of God shows up through his people, there's going to be a glory expansion, and it will change the world. It will change things because light will always remove darkness when the light shines and is taken out from underneath the pale, it will shine and change. Amen. It changes this world. And I believe, of course, as we saw earlier, that the glory of the Lord is going to fill the earth. I believe that part of how that's going to happen is through his people that are worshiping, that are praying, that are singing praises, that are praying wherever they're going. They're just staying connected with God. You know what? I believe that's the way it's going to happen. And God's going to look down and go, look, the glory of the lord is filling the earth it's because my people are being filled with the glory of god they're worshiping they're singing they have overcome they know me and they are demonstrating me in all the earth and i am coming out of them bringing a difference wherever they are i just i love that illustration because i believe that's exactly how god is going to fill the earth with his glory it's going to be through men that are praying and doing what god said Remember that earth, that verse where he said, as surely as I live, the whole earth is going to be filled with my glory. Remember that? Remember the occasion when the people, they decided, no, we're not going to follow God. We're not going to go forward. We're afraid of the giants. God was so irritated. And he goes, well, it didn't happen now. I didn't have a victorious people now. I didn't have a people that pressed into me today. I didn't have a people that was willing to lay down their lives and go forward. But one day, I will guarantee you this. That's the occasion where he said this verse. One day, I guarantee you, the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord. What's he saying? There will be a people that will go into the promised land. They will fight the giants. They will lay down their lives. They will overcome. They will trust in God when their flesh doesn't feel like it. And they're going to seek God. You see, God is calling his end time army not to just sit back in your house, and you know, oh, enjoy God, in, enjoy prayer meetings. I love that. But he's saying, I want you to go out, and I want you to fight the fight. I want you to demonstrate my glory to the earth. I want to fill my the whole earth with my glory. It's going to be an amazing thing when the church is filled with the glory of God, when the church is willing to do what the other generations maybe didn't do. That's where we're going. Do you see? That's where this thing is going. That's what God is doing. See, now that can help us understand where the church is going. Do you understand God's purpose so far? Well, God says in the word of God that he is forming a glorious church. Ephesians 5, 27 says, Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Now, that's an amazing sacrifice, isn't it? He lived that life. If I were the Lord, I mean, just think about it. He's looking at all these sinners living horrible lives. How many of you, you've had somebody sin against you? Don't you just feel like getting upset at them and just say, oh, I'm done with that person, right? Well, Jesus is there. the, the, The earth is filled with sin, sin against God, rebellion against God. And it says God so loved him that he sent his only son. And, of course, Jesus was in agreement with that, right? He gave himself. Why? Because he loved the church, and he gave himself for her, speaking of the church, the body of Christ, that he may present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy, holy means separated unto God, devoted unto God, committed unto God, holy and blameless. Wow, God's got that kind of what I'll call glory in store for the church. And I'll tell you this, what God has started, he's going to finish. What God has determined with the church, it shall be done. The whole thing's not going to come to a close and God's going to go, man, I wanted to do that, it just didn't work out. No. From the very beginning, from the very beginning, God had the end in mind, and He had the end already designed to be greater than it started out. Wow, that's powerful. Think about that. The whole counsel of the Word of God shows that, like in Ephesians four, we are to mature and grow up. The whole body of Christ mature and grow up into the fullness of Christ. It says, and so it shows that there's a beginning, a growing into God, a maturing into the things of God, not only of holiness, but in courage, in faith, not, not doubting, not, not being fearful. All of that is a part of the maturity in God that as a whole, the body of Christ is going to be coming into. And again, let me mention, it's going to end up better than it started. You think the early church was great? We talk about the early church all the time. Oh, look at the miracles. Oh, look at the power. Let me tell you something. It's going to end with fireworks. It's going to God's gonna God's gonna end in mind. You know, when he's wrapping this age up, it's gonna be the most glorious expression of the body of Christ, I believe, we've ever seen. It's gonna be where the glory of God is filling the earth. Will there be junk out there too? Yes, I believe that. But the glory of God, it definitely is going to be a lot of junk, but the key is the glory of God is going to be so strong. This is this verse we've been reading recently in Isaiah 60, verse 1. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord. The glory of the Lord is risen upon you. It is on you. It is expressive through you in the earth. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise on you. Wow, God said in the greatest darkness, there is going to be the greatest light, the greatest expression of his glory. And his glory shall be seen upon you. How are they going to see that? I don't know exactly, but I can tell you they're going to have an experience with it. They might not go and meet with you and go, wow, I saw the glory of God. But they'll be impacted by the glory that was on your life, though they may not be able to even express what happened. The glory of God in the earth is going to bring many people to God. And it says the glory will be seen upon you and Gentiles or those that don't know me shall come to your light and kings, to the brightness of your rising. I believe that is definitely, there's an end times application to that verse, and God's glory is coming. The end is going to be better than even the beginning. That should help you understand where we're going. Ecclesiastes 7, 8 says, The end of a thing is better than its beginning. I believe that. And Haggai 2 verse 9 says, the glory of the latter house shall be greater than the glory of the former house. You see, God has designed that the latter be the greater part. It's going to be amazing what God does. So we're on a path of God bringing us from glory to glory. Remember that word? It says we're changing from glory to glory. We are on a path where God is changing us individually from glory to glory, and he's bringing his people collectively from glory to glory, where they're going to be able to express Christ in the earth. Jesus Christ is going to have an amazing expression of himself in the earth through his people. That's hard to believe he can do that, but he can. He can. So let's just back up a little bit. And look at this. So God has an intention. What is that intention? We're going to grow up. We're going to mature. And there's going to be greater glory in our lives, in the church, and in the earth. And in the earth, God's presence is going to be known. God's kingdom is going to be demonstrated. You know, there's no way you can have the presence of God in that dimension without the kingdom being demonstrated. There are going to be power expressions. There are going to be more miracles. There are going to be more expressions of God than you could imagine. I believe that fully. And it's going to be through people that know their God. It's going to be amazing what God's getting ready to do. And we're going to see God's character. I don't believe God's going to raise up an end times people that just have the power with no character. I believe that the character of Christ, which is in godliness, purity, sincerity, love, charity, kindness, all those kinds of things. That's going to be all in the church. It's not going to be a mean church. It's not going to be a church that's militant in the way that it's uncaring, unloving, unkind. It's going to be an amazing, loving church that's, that stands for truth and demonstrates the kingdom of God. And the people are going to be able to go, wow, that had to be God. And I've said this before, but I want to reiterate it. Do you realize that words carry one, bit, one dimension of power? And deeds, even another. And Jesus said this: If you don't believe me, because of my words, believe because of what I've done. Believe because of these acts. I believe that there are going to be things that are done through the glory of God that demonstrate the glory of God in the earth that are going to make the world go start go. Oh my, that had to be God. That had to be God. I've been disagreeing with Him up here, but I can't disagree with that right there. That has to be. You see, God's going to demonstrate His glory that way. Well, first of all, because that's what he wants to do. He loves to heal people. He loves to do miracles. But secondly, there's some people, they're not going to believe until they see miracles. That's just the truth behind that. And that's all in the Word of God. So those people, what are they going to be doing? We're going to be standing on the promises. We're going to be standing in authority. By the way, you know you stand on the promises that says the promises have been given to us so that we can partake of the divine nature. Wow. You have to stand on those promises to grow in the divine nature. You got to stand on them. You got to believe them. So many people will just casually quote, quote promises and just say, oh, did it, you know, this promise or that promise. You have to claim the promises. The promises are made for you to stand on. Israel was given a land of promise, and they didn't take it because they weren't willing to stand on what God said, right? Anyway, there will be a people standing on the promises, standing in the authority of God. You know, Jesus gave us authority, didn't he? What good is authority if you don't know you have it? If you're the parent of the house and you don't realize that you have authority, your house is going to be all in disorder. Everybody does just what they want to do, but that authority brings order. It brings God's will into your house because you realize the will of God and you exercise your authority in the home to bring that authority into your home. Well, it's sort of like that in the earth. We are the ones that do things now on God's behalf. God doesn't just do things except that He does them through us. He, that's just the way He designed to do it. And so we have to walk in the authority that He's given us and take authority in the right times, in the right situations. We're going to have the character of God. We're going we're to have the power and presence. We're going to know how to get our answers to our prayers. Now, <clears throat> I say all this today just to show you at the beginning here, so far, where we're going, where, the, where you're going individually, where the church is going, but it doesn't look like that, does it? It doesn't look like we're going in that direction. Maybe we don't see glory everywhere where we're looking. Maybe you'll go, it just looks like everything's messed up. In fact, it's even looked like that for a few years, doesn't it? You see, I want us to take what we've just learned from the Word of God and apply it to where we are right now, what we see all around us to help us understand where we're going. And I just want to say at the outset of, you know, before I get into this illustration, I'm getting ready to get into, we're going to a place of greater glory. Some of you guys remember the last move of God and what God did. And it looks like things are almost like sort of nothing in comparison to that in some ways. But I just want to say God's intention and where God's bringing us is going to be from glory to glory. And though it looks like we have backed up, it is only because God is going to regroup us and it is going to come back with more glory than anybody that's listening to me or alive today has ever seen before. That's God's intention, going from glory to glory. Now, I just want to say there again, there are many scriptures that give us illustrations of what God does. And I just want to finish here with a with this with a story that we'll get into um, of Eli and his sons. There was a time in Israel's history when what God had set up had become very corrupt. God was still there in a sense, but he wasn't being glorified, and people had become corrupt. And so, and particularly, the leaders had become corrupt. What God did was he actually came and judged that situation. Let me just mention something that was happening there. We have the, Eli was the priest and he was the minister and his sons, Hobney and Phineas were also ministers in the, the way God was doing things there. We'll call it the church just for you to relate with it. It says God was rebuking Eli. And and one of the things we find out is that these sons lay with the women who assembled at the door of the tabernacle. They were sexually immoral with women that were coming at the door of the tabernacle. They might have been prostitutes. We don't know, but they were living immoral lives. And secondly, they didn't let the people worship God according to God's laws. Now, they just saw that as a small thing. People come in to sacrifice a certain way. They'd bring in their, their offering, and they would present it. And then these people go, oh, no, no, no. You give us this. We want this. And we want to take this for ourselves. And then you, you do it. You worship God this way. And the participants who came to worship the Lord would say, wait a minute, aren't we supposed to do this and give God this part? But Hobni but and Phinehas wouldn't let them. So in essence, he wasn't allowing them to worship God, God's way. It was just a formality to them. So God rebukes Eli, who was over the whole thing. And he says this to Eli, I'm going to judge the corruption in your house, in this church which represented just, there was just one. It's not like there were churches. There was one house of God, so to speak. I'm going to judge this, and I'm going to bring a clean sweep. Now, I believe that God does that today. God brings clean sweepings. I can remember a time in history um, when there was a clean sweep in the church and leaders were getting exposed. It just looked like one would happen and then another of exposed from different things. Um, one guy was pretending to give words of God to people. Now, what was happening was they would get information at the front door, uh, write it down, and then they would. he had an earpiece, and they would be telling him their words, right? And so he was pretending to be gifted the way some people were. He was doing it, and he thought somehow, well, that doesn't really matter. It's the impact that makes the difference. He'd call out people's names. and may, Now, I, that happens definitely by the Holy Spirit sometimes. But I'm just saying he was corrupt. There's another man who is preaching the most strong moral message of messages of the day. He was caught in sexual sin. It's just it's the craziest things that, that were happening. But God was exposing and cleansing his church at that time. I don't know why God allows certain things to happen. I don't know why. See, God's here. God rebukes Eli. And it's a while before he actually does what he says he's going to do. I don't know why God waits sometimes. I've seen situations where I've seen ministers and ministries do certain things, and it makes me scratch my head wondering, God, why are they still in ministry? How can you allow that? I don't understand that, but I do know that God has a timing involved, and God will clean up his church. Something that just happened just recently that was really just, I don't know, I'll just call it like heartbreaking to me was, pertaining to this rabbi Zacharias. He's a man greatly looked up to and goes around and was gave some of the greatest explanations of Christ, very insightful thoughts ab- about why Christ is the way, the only way, et cetera, et cetera. And then it just comes to light how he's been living a double life, been living in lies and been in sexual immorality. And so you go, you back up and you go, wait a second. This is the craziest thing. And, of course, he just passed away right as this stuff was coming out, or maybe it it ended up coming out publicly afterward. And so you look at all this stuff and you go, wow, that's the craziest thing. How did God allow that to happen for so long? Why did God allow that to happen? And so many people were hurt by it. I don't understand that, you know. And you might ask, why didn't God deal with that? And I would just say, maybe God did. Do you understand what I'm saying? The sin was exposed and the man was removed at the same time. Now, am I saying God gave him his sickness? No, all I'm saying is, look, the man was removed. The sin was exposed at the same time. He's one of the great leaders they look to in the body of Christ. I have just wondered, Lord, since it happened the way it did, is that a sign of something that's getting ready to happen here where you have spoken to people, you've tried to correct people in the past, which happened here as well, you've worked to correct, but people would not listen, and now there's going to come a time when you say, okay, I waited long enough, now is the day I'm going to sweep things clean, and if you have not gotten things in order, it is now too late. That's what he told Eli that day. There is no getting out of this is pretty much what what happened. You get back, and I want to mention this about the sons of Eli. Even though they were sinning, you know the greatest sin that they were committing? It was in keeping people from worshiping God, and God says that is the main reason that you have guilt. Is because you have just made worship all about something about you, all about your kingdom, all about what you want to build for you, all about, you know, your benefit. And I believe that's happened so much in this world. And I believe that in America, a lot of what has been built has been built for show and for man. There's been a form, and God has been in it to a degree. But I would just believe, I believe God is just saying, I am putting an end to that. I am getting rid of that, and I am coming back to the heart of worship and what church is supposed to be about. It's not about glorifying man. It's not about man at all. It's about God, and when we make God the center of church, our lives all of a sudden begin to flourish. When we make man the center of church, when we make man the center of everything, guess what? We get filled with full of junk make God the center, and everything's as it ought to be, and our lives begin to line up with the way we've been created. And God is bringing worship back to the church. He's cleaning out everything that hindered and altered pure worship. Yes, people could still come. Yes, people could still present their offerings in a way that I'm just telling you, God is going to reform, I believe, the church in a way where his glory is demonstrated we worship in spirit and truth again and the things of the flesh are not exalted they're actually going to be they're going to go so fast and the fear of God is going to return to the church and you don't bring that mess into the house when the fear of God is there those two things can't even go together it's just going to be I believe amazing Now. I want to explain here what happened when God judged Eli. when God judged Eli and his sons the there was huge chaos because what God was doing was judging the whole system because what had happened was Eli and his sons had fallen away from God, and so had the whole nation and Eli and his sons didn't lead people back to repentance, back to serving the Lord, back to worship they just they actually were a, an instrument to help corrupt the whole church world or the, the nation. So what happens is they go, and they're in a big battle. They bring out the Ark of the Covenant, which is figurative of having God there, and God was supposed to be in the Ark of the Covenant. They bring them out. They shout. They jump around. Yay! There's a bunch of hype, just like there might be today, where there's a lot of hype about things going on. But guess what? God wasn't in it. It doesn't matter that the ground shook where they're, where they're jumping up and down. God wasn't in it. It felt like he was there, but he wasn't. And guess what? They lost the battle in a mighty way that, way, that day. And not only that, the Philistines took the Ark of the Covenant and they took it with them. So now, I want to highlight this point. Here they are. It looks like they've gone backwards. They've lost the glory. One woman had a child that day, and she named her son Ichabod. What a horrible name to name your child. I've never met one in real life. I hope I never meet somebody named Ichabod. I mean, man, what kind of name is that? But anyway, she named her son Ichabod, and that word means the glory has departed. The glory has departed. It looks like we don't have what we had before. Everything's chaotic. But let me say this, which is, this is a very ironic thing that happened that day this is a day of judgment of god dealing with the people of god dealing with his church in that hour everything looked like it was in chaos but remember what's god's intention to bring us from glory to glory so the grace of god and the blessing of god is even in the judgment because when god swept things clean when he judged when everything went into chaos it was with a view to things coming back at even a greater level of glory than where they were before. Do You see what I'm saying? In other words, God wasn't just going, I'm going to judge that. He's going, I'm going to judge that, and I'm going to restore them back even better than they were before this happened. Wow. You see, when God comes, And we can just say, God's judging, oh, God's doing this, oh, we're going downhill, oh, no, no, no. You don't understand God's ultimate intention. We might look like we're going back, it might look like chaos for a while, but God's going to piece this thing together, and it's going to be even much better than it was before we went through this process. God has something in mind, we're going to end up better off than where we were. You might go, well, how did that end up happening? I'll just share that quickly. The ark is gone. The glory is gone. But then there's a man. He desires to bring the glory back. His name's David. He desires, another's desire to bring the glory back. And he's not even sure. I'm just putting it in a nutshell. He's not sure how to do that. He makes a mistake one time. Oh, that's not the way it works. Oh, I messed up big time. He stops. Then he comes back and he's getting a revelation and what he's doing now he's not just going by the formula he's got part of the formula with what god says but he's also now connected with god what do you want god what do you desire what blesses you and he does something that was never done before he takes that ark and he and he begins to dance and sing and twirl i mean he's the king but guess what he's doing this because he knows It's all about God. It's not about me. And God loves for me to take pleasure in Him. By the way, you don't take pleasure in God because you feel like it. You take pleasure because it's a decision. And when you do it, then you feel great about it. I heard somebody the other day say something like this. You don't have, you don't rejoice because you have joy. You have joy because you rejoice. That is so true. You might not feel very much joy in the morning. But if you begin to rejoice, you begin to go, oh, God, I thank you today. I am victorious in the Lord. I thank you, oh, God, I rejoice in you for my salvation. I thank you that you're with me, oh, God. I rejoice in you. Watch. It is amazing how the joy of God will just expand on the inside of you. You might feel like horrible, like you're weighed down. You might think, oh, I've got to trudge through this. Let me just pray. And, and I have done that many times. But. Sometimes all you need to do is rejoice in the middle of how you feel and watch. Rejoice at all times and all things. And guess what? The joy of God will begin to go boom on the inside of you, right? Well, maybe he didn't feel like dancing. Maybe he didn't feel like worshiping that way. But guess what? He goes, this is about God. I'm going to worship God the way God likes it. You see? And he did something never done before. He starts dancing. I wonder if he felt awkward. He's going, Man, I've done this when I was a little boy. And now, oh, my. But he goes, You know what? It's all about God. And you see, many times when you want to go to a new level in God, it's just going to require that you break off a new level of your flesh, right? A new dimension you've not broken off before. But he goes, Oh, God, this is you. I'm just going to do it. I'm just. He lets go. And before long, he just gets into it. He just gets into it. He puts his. Heart into it. And it's just like it's him and God. He's worshiping God. God's loving it. God inhabits the praises of his people like that. Why? Because he loves it so much. And God's there with him. The glory of God's with David. And then guess what? He brings that ark back. Brings it to Jerusalem. He doesn't set it up like it was before. There's a new format. There's a new format. And now all the people come. They're all worshiping God. And David realizes this is good. God wants everybody to have access to him. And not only that, he sets it up. He says, you know what? We're going to have people singing to God, praising God, dancing before God 24 hours a day. David set it up. Why? Because he knew that's what God wanted. And it was supremely more glorious than what God judged. Do Do you see what I'm saying? Why? Because Why would God do that? You think God would just, they didn't deserve that. God's just going to bring it back to maybe where it was. God's like, no, I'm going to bring you back to something better, more glorious than you've experienced before. I've allowed the chaos. I've allowed the turmoil. I've allowed the shaking to happen, but it's not ultimately to destroy. There's some judgment going in there. There's some cleansing going in there, but Number one, I'm cleaning. But number two, I'm also going to bring a new format for what I want to do that's going to facilitate the glory of God and worship, worship. God's going to bring true worship. And let me just, I want to, re, I want to just say, worship isn't just about singing. The first time the word worship is used in the Word of God, it's about Abraham. It's Abraham that says it. And he goes, um, you stay here. I'm going to go on the mountain and worship with my son. He's talking about sacrificing his son. That was worship, and I, I just would mention some of the greatest worship I've ever had. It was when I was laying something down before the Lord. That was painful, and you just enter into a place of worship that you can't even get into if you don't have that kind of experience, and it's that opportunity provided. But anyway, in all of its multidimensional forms, church and life, in essence, ends up all being about worship. So, I just want to end with this. These little thoughts um god's going to restore the church it's going to be full of his glory we're going to experience an amazing thing don't get discouraged at the way things look right now in the church world we're going through a necessary transition it looks like chaos but god's going to put it back together his way um how do we get to that way how's it going to happen uh just like it did with david It's going to happen day by day. It's going to be about praying. God, what do you want to do? God, how do you want to put it together? It's going to be sometimes about doing things that your flesh doesn't want to do, but you know that, please, the Lord. God's going to bring us where he wants us to be if we desire it, if we desire him, if we want that glory to come back, which I'm hoping you've had your appetite whetted today. And uh, if we will pray and just flow along with God, that's where we're going. It's going to be glorious. It's going to be glorious. Be encouraged. Don't be discouraged. Seek the Lord. Press in. Great, great things are coming our way. Father, we want to thank you, Lord God. Your design isn't to bring things down, 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 down. Lord, sometimes you break things down because they're not your format. They're not your structure. They don't honor you, or maybe because there's impurity in it. But, Lord, we thank you. This is an hour where you're not only only breaking down, you're preparing for a great building up. Lord, we believe that there's going to be an amazing outpouring of your spirit, that there are many people like, um, like Samuel was and like David that are like hidden, that you've been working in, some of them for years, that you're going to raise up. There are going to be so many others that are coming in, even for the first time, but they're coming in uh, with all of their hearts. They're going to come into the new pattern where there's a fire, and God, they're going to be birthed into the kingdom in that fire and that attitude. Oh, God, you're going to be so blessed with that. You're going to be so pleased, Lord, seeing all those worshipers coming in to to worship you. Father, you're going to be so pleased when, when that whole thing is flowing the way you've intended and you're bringing your children to from glory to glory and people are coming in and experiencing that and the world is beginning to experience the glory of god and this darkness is experiencing the light of god so lord we thank you we're anticipating something good we're not being lazy in our prayer lives lord We're upping our time with you. We've upped our vision. We've upped our desire. And we thank you, God, these things are coming our way because this is what you have intended to do. We know it shall be done in Jesus' name. Amen.